your your kid needs to see you as a an authority figure. They need to respect what manhood looks like. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, man. Good to be with you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's absolutely a pre- pleasure. I was on, uh, was fortunate enough to be a guest on your podcast, Lesson Line, and we jammed. It was it was pretty sweet. I enjoyed it a lot. I, so when I saw your name on my schedule, I was like, sweet, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I like fun podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always, I mean, when you're like-minded and, and we kind of, we see you through the, through the same lens when yep. it comes to fatherhood and, and man, manhood and kind of biblical standards. Uh, so it's fun to kind of chop it up with somebody like that. Yeah, I, 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 my audience is definitely probably curating in a new way. With uh, it's, uh, I'm interviewing guys that have the same message as me, so we're doubling down, and that's 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 what's going to get the right audience listening, right? Like, yeah. hey, guys, if you're still listening, you're enjoying this. You're the right person. <laughs> yeah, just reinforce a message. That's all yep, you can do, absolutely. man. Absolutely. And there, man, every time I talk to somebody like you, or I'm on a podcast where I get interviewed, like I, I. I have, and you're probably this way too as a podcaster, more stuff downloads in my brain of like, oh, men need that. Like, it's mm-hmm. almost like there's this untapped mm-hmm. uh, reservoir and it's all there. And I think about it all the time, but then there's this time when it's just like, whoa, that needs to be talked about more often. Or I haven't talked about that yet. And, you know, I hope that with guys like you, we can just keep dumping out stuff that guys can implement in their lives. But one thing I'm really excited about is you, you and I are pretty similar in age and, uh, and we have, you know, older kids. And what I've learned recently is that a lot of guys are really looking for, um, information on men that have done, done the thing they've worked mm-hmm. through teen years. They've worked through the younger years. And it's like, what do we need to know to be successful? And I've said from the very beginning at Brotherhood of Fatherhood, you, you know, we're not here to raise kids because if we raised kids, we'd end up with a bunch of really dysfunctional adults. So we're mm-hmm. here to raise future adults. And mm-hmm. so I want to talk to you specifically about like just parenting through the ages and now looking back with, you said 14 through 24. 24, yeah, so four kids, 24. Mm-hmm. yeah, three boys and a girl, and I have two boys, so 14 through 24, what I'm hearing is that guys want to hear from us, because I have 14 to 18, and, you know, I've seen, that I hindsight's awesome, right, <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate, so let's dive in, uh, 24, 24, is that a boy or a girl? That's a boy. My fir- okay. my first three were boys, and then my my baby was a girl. Yeah. Ah, so do you you have you have the protectors <laughs> yeah. for your for your daughter? <laughs> oh yeah, and and yeah, she started kind of dabbling in a little bit of makeup uh, earlier last year, and they were not having it. Uh, really? <laughs> they were they were begging us to reconsider, and so uh, yeah, no, we were. It's nothing over the top, but you know she's kind of doing the girly thing a little bit she plays volleyball so she's three brothers and an athlete and she's so she's right there in that sweet spot of balance between princess and you know we can we can go and wrestle if you'd like you know Mm -hmm. one of those so i like that how 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 has it been you know you go you go through three boys and then this girl comes along did it scare you I mean, everything about parenting scares me, but yeah, uh, with a daughter, it just kind of scared me as to, as to how I know my personality is. And so I guess scared in a sense of, do I trust myself to keep my head on my shoulders, kind of stay grounded in, in, you know, God's got this, she's his anyway, I'm just here to steward over her. And so stay Stay grounded, stay calm, stay realistic, and and don't get too overbearing and overprotective. And 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 I have to check myself on that almost probably daily. But yeah, I you know I guess I was a little just cautious about my own personality with a daughter. Boys, I'm like, man, I can fail, and we can bandage that up, and we can reboot, and I can go and and make up for it, and we'll just you know high five and move on. But daughters are a little more 
I mean, you probably it's sensitive and, and they're, you just do it different. It's just totally different. Yeah. That is one area I can't speak to. I don't have daughters and I'm, I'm, I feel fabulous having boys and everybody I've talked to said like, when you have a daughter, everything, everything changes. I mean, like literally I have friends are like, yes, I'm actually practicing cleaning my shotgun out in the living room. So that's right. So when she's got boys coming over, you know, that, that good old message is there. Like don't mess around. Yeah. I've been, I think I've been spoiled because they have a pretty solid core group of church friends. Yeah. And my two youngest are homeschooled and my two older went public and my oldest is a public school teacher, high school and, and baseball coach. Oh, wow. Um, and so my, you know, my two younger ones being homeschooled, it's like, I was worried, like, are they going to be able to, to survive socially? And are they going to develop the skills that are, you know, going to keep them from being eaten alive in the real world? And man, they're more social than they ever were in public schools or my oldest ever were. Like they are, They've got a core group of, of church friends, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Now, I'm sure just, you know, that doesn't buffer them or shelter them from from stuff just because they're hanging out with church people. We know that. Right. Um, but it, it does let you feel this little bit of a sense of security whenever there's a group of 10 or 12 of them out playing pickleball or just going to eat or going to have coffee or whatever they're doing. And so when you talk about boys coming over, I haven't experienced that. Uh, just cause we don't, I don't think she's like quite into like checking out who's a potential companion right. from a dating standpoint yet. You know, her brothers are, are on point and heads on a swivel. So she's probably, she's a little guarded there. Yeah. That's kind of a nice little built in system. <laughs> if you will, I'm going to get right to it and, and, and ask some very, you know, some questions that have been asked about me because I have answers uh, Mm -hmm. for what's worked for my wife and I and what we've seen relate to success in having, you know, older, older kids who I'm seeing some really great trajectories towards success. Like even like the leadership things that they've studied and know so much younger than what I did. I'm just like, wow, Mm -hmm. like you are so set up for, for big things in your life. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about, I don't even know where to start because I've been asked so many questions over the last three weeks on podcasts I've been in, but a lot of them been like, you know, how do you instill the value, your family values, maybe your, your um, belief system, where is, where do you, you and your wife, how have you done that and kept it to a point where they're interested, they're involved I just see a fine line between like raising them to be interested and self-motivated and self-directed and, um, you know, being forced. There's, there's a lot of kids that I went to school with who went to, to uh, private Christian school. And man, I'll tell you what, when they got into college and beyond, they went wild. I mean, and it's still, I, I, it's still not what I would call a success quotient at this point. So let's talk a little bit about raising your kids to, um, you know, how you do that. Yeah. Well, so I will say I, I experienced a version of what you just described with one, with my oldest. Cause he went and played, he went to a Christian university, played baseball. And I believe that his faith wasn't as strong as it was when he left the house. Meaning I don't think he went away from his faith, but his lifestyle was definitely impacted by his surroundings and the people he associated with. And so I think he experimented in some areas uh, that I didn't really see coming. I think I was just naive. Uh, I know how I lived, but I didn't grow up with those standards, right? So I just kind of chalked that up to the world got a hold of me and chewed me up and spit me out several times. And that's just what it was. But whenever we raise our kids in church, we think there's a force field around them no matter where they go and they can be influenced and and in positive and negative way but they you know just kind of as a choice so Mm. I'll I'll answer your question though um, the way I feel about laying the groundwork here in the home and hope that it sticks to a high degree when they go out is man it has to eventually become their own and and I know that you probably feel the same way like when it comes to their faith, it could come. It could be anything. It could be physical, body, fitness. They have to own it. They've got to take 
there's got to be a why attached to it that goes beyond just because mom and dad do it or because mom and dad say so. Because I'll be honest, I thought living the example and being the example was enough. And it's not because they can watch me do it right and I'm not perfect, but eventually they got to go out and, and, and activate their own life and, and execute in these principles. But if they don't own that responsibility and own the fact that that matters long term and in in, in how they contribute to society, like if they don't get that, then the world's going to kind of blow them around and they're going to get washed ashore in different areas that you don't want them to go. Now, we have laid a biblical foundation in our home from day one. Um, we, neither one of us, my wife or I, didn't really grow up with that. Um, we believed, but we never really ap applied any of that belief. It wasn't a lifestyle. It wasn't like submitted to a lordship of Christ. It wasn't that. But we poured that out in our family with our kids. Now, I will say we I was a little late to the game as far as coming up with written standards that I want our family to stand for. Uh, glad I did it when I did it, but I wish I'd have done it, you know, 20 years ago, whatever. But there's these, I guess I've tried to ingrain in them a servant's heart um, and making it about somebody other than them, um, something bigger than them. I've tried to instill the gratitude and the humility components in all that they do because I think that there are byproducts downstream of those two things that can impact their entire life and actually contribute to a very fulfilled, significant life of having uh, success. And so I think, I think humility and gratitude are those things that I've tried to like point out to them. And being in sports, high-level sports, they've been in very competitive athletics. Um, we've had to stay grounded, and I've had to – there's been plenty of teachable moments whenever you're a successful athlete. Um, you can start to think it is about you. And so those are some things. I mean, I, it might be redundant because I think a lot of guys you talk to and I talk to, or I say I hope, these are staples in their life as parents because those are translate to any area of life, any age, any social, social setting, any professional setting. Like I think if you can serve people – and, and understand that it's not about you. If you can be humble and, and grateful in the things that you do and the way that you execute life, I mean, I think you, I think you're ahead of the game. Especially if you look around now in society, I think you're ahead of the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I want to, so I want to say something just to actually let the listener like release a little bit of what might be a little friction for them. So mm. I've been very clear about you know that I come from a Christian home. I was raised that way. I am a, I, that's how I, that's the foundation, like the moral value mm -hmm. foundation. I build my house on. It sounds like you as well. My plea to everyone is that you have some sort of moral belief type basis. So um, what I tell everybody is like, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Yeah. But I would hide no matter what. I, I just want you to really men and women who listen I'm, I'm imploring you that if you do not have a foundation, whatever it is, you are floating. You are, you are out and being wish washed around in whatever direction the world decides to wash you around. You're going to be lost and your kids are going to be incredibly lost. So I want to just kind of plant that flag in the ground like that. That is huge. It's interesting. You brought up, you know, you didn't really get some of these things in place early. I, my wife and I finally made our family core values and we brought them back to our boys and went over them. And they were like, yes, this is so awesome. They were so bought in. It was wow. so cool. We're like, yeah. Hey, like here's what we came up with. We want to present them be before we mark them in stone. Mm -hmm. And we went through each one and explained and they were like, this is so great. It's so cool. I wish I would, you know, <laughs> wish I would have done it with them younger. However, you know, I can't look back. I can't go backwards, but I was talking to Kurt Storing about about this. He's got younger kids and you know, they do have to find their own way, but something that I found super important is talking through my thought processes, talking through my failures and success. Modeling, you talked about modeling, which I think is incredibly important. We got to do what we're talking about. We got to we got to do the way we want our kids to live and I think that's you know, it's imperative. But we also talk about it and then 
I've also been a big fan of kind of letting them self-discover within the walls of our homes where there's conversation happening. So where's that fine line where you're like, no, this is what you need to believe, or they start kind of wandering off. You know, I have my answers, but where they start wandering off and you're like, eh, that's not the path I want you on. But you also know that you might be forcing something, you know, it's the whole lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink, mm-hmm. you know, with your kids, that's really hard. And I think control issues are big for men. And I'm aware that when you try to control too much, you actually create an opposite uh, effect. So why don't you talk to me about that when you've, you know, what are, what are your thoughts in that area? <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because I could be a cautionary tale here uh, to a degree because I, I think I have attributed this role of coach, mentor, father, trainer to teach them ways that I didn't learn and so they could avoid some of the same inadequacies or incompetencies that I had just because I didn't do certain things like I should have as a younger. So I've tried to train, but I think I overtrain or I, or I have, I've gotten a little better, but I mean, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to a baseball analogy just because I coached my kids' baseball teams for a long time, and, and that's just kind of where we go sometimes uh, in an analogy standpoint. I, it's like a, if a pitcher, I guess, um, and I've never used this before, just kind of came to me as you're asking questions, so I, forgive me if it's a little rough around the edges, but like a pitcher, he's got fundamentals of being able to pitch, right? There's just basic fundamentals that you don't waver from that – make a pitcher what he is. Now, once you develop those and you develop this muscle memory, then you start trying to tweak certain pitches, right? You start trying to get pretty fancy and, and develop your craft. And, and, and those things probably are trial and error. So I kind of equate that to parenting. Like there's certain things we don't waver from. There's certain fundamentals. There's a baseline as a human uh, that we have instilled. And my kids know, like, okay, I may kind of trip up over here because I forgot to take care of my responsibilities or I made a mistake in a relationship or whatever, but I always come back to baseline of these fundamentals and you can fill in those blanks, whoever, you know, whatever you've developed as a, as a family core unit, but those things don't change. And, and so that is really kind of baked into the character of who they are and who they become so if you do it right early enough, even those little trip-ups along the way, right, they, they could hang a curveball that gets hit 400 feet, uh, back to the pitching analogy. But we always come back to that, you know what, my footwork was good, my arm slot was good, I, you know, I drove toward the plate, and, and I'm going way off for the people that don't know baseball. But uh, anyway, it, all those fundamentals don't change. And, and so that really is kind of – the, the framework of, of, of who they are in life, but they are going to trip up. I have had to catch myself to not maybe point out every single time as a teaching moment. Like I will say, that's the, that's the curse and the blessing of teachable moments. Yeah. You could, you could, as a parent, you could almost attribute everything they don't do right as a teachable moment when it doesn't really have to be like it, depending on what it is, of course, but, Sometimes we just can, you know what? You left your laundry uh, in there overnight, and guess what? It mildewed, so you're going to have to redo it, and it's on the floor because I took it out because I had to do mine. It, it, it didn't require me waking them up in the middle of the night and saying, why didn't you do, you know, you got to be thinking about this kind of stuff. Here's what's going to happen. Like, I could have created a teachable moment there, but why? I just, I think we learn more from pain uh, sometimes than we do from, from comfort, of course. I know we do. So I guess in a long-winded answer, you got to let them first. You got to establish what is not negotiable and and where it's not okay to trip up. But then you got to let them trip up in those kind of peripherals and ancillary uh, compartments of their life that it's not going to be devastating. You know what I mean? That's really good because I've always I've been talking and sharing about like sharing my own failures and my own wins. And it's not every little thing. These are like, you know, and, and I like to talk through that with my kids because I think it creates a, a framework for them 
to handle their own stuff. Like, uh, you know, my dad said he messed up here and this is what happened and he wished he would have done X or mm-hmm. had great success here. And this is what it looks like, why, and this is the reason, and this is how it was all frameworked out. But I've never really told everybody, like, I don't tell them, I don't tell them every time they mess up. A lot of it is self-evident. You know, a lot of it's mm. self-evident and you're right. If we were to like make a lesson out of everything, perhaps, perhaps that's why a lot of the kids that went awry that I grew up with were what they were. They were surrounded in this very strict Christian community. Their parents were probably like that. It was like, you know, just always. And, and it's like, no, I need to mess up on my own. And they never broke out of it. Most yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to add to that too, because I'm dealing with something right now with my 21 year old who I think I over parented. I think I micromanaged a lot because I saw a lot of myself in him probably, probably more so than any of my other kids. So the things in me that I wish I would have been different, I've tried to almost mold him by over you know, micromanaging everything and created too many life lessons. So now fast forward, the reason I'm telling you this is for the listener out there that might be kind of tripping over some of that. Like now I think our relationship, I think could be better connected. Why? Like I think we could, and, and I, he's who I, he was a pitcher. He was, he's who I coached probably more than any of them. And I just remember those car rides home of constant instruction of what we could have done better and I just wish I could do I could do that over. So maybe there's a dad out there, and it doesn't have to be athletics, but it doesn't always have to be. Here's how you could have been better, you know, mm-hmm. or here's what you did good, but maybe if we do this, we'll be great, you know. I I just want to prevent somebody from making that same because now I think I'm paying for some of it. Now we have a good relationship. He's right. actually a youth pastor. I mean, he 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 didn't waver off and derail in life, but. I just wish he and I maybe had more of a friendship because at, at this age, it's okay to start developing that friendship oh, with your kids. Right. But yeah. I think we always, I think in his mind, it's just like, if it's me now that I look back on it, if I'm him and I would be like, okay, what did, what's he going to instruct me on? You know, finger quotes, what's, what's the next thing that I maybe didn't do perfectly. Kind of one of those deals. So I just want somebody to hear that. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off or add to that, no, but I think really somebody good. needed to hear that. I, I think so too. I think that there um, are some strategies, <clears throat> excuse me. I think there are some strategies you can use. For instance, like I've learned to just be, to not point things out a lot of times yeah. and be like, well, asking questions. Like, yeah. how do you think that could have gone better? Did it go the way you wanted it to go? Do you think it could have gone better? What, what do you think happened? And, and I've learned a lot because, you know, when that happens, they, their brain isn't fully developed. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized that when I come at them with stuff, listening to what their response is, I'm like on a completely different channel because I'm seeing such a bigger picture, mm-hmm. which I might be talking way over them where all we got to do is like, focus on this teeny tiny thing, like instead of the big picture that you and I see as older adults where mm-hmm. our brains are developed much more and we're, we're dialed in and we're sitting here and go, well, in this situation, blah, blah, blah. And all they hear is wah, 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 because they mm-hmm. can't relate. And I think asking is probably the best way. So last yesterday, my son was really upset. He wasn't my younger one. It's just like he was down and he's hardly ever down. And he said one of the boys at lunch was just kind of like really nitpicking. And I had all sorts of things to say this morning on the way to school, but I didn't. Instead, I said, hey, I was thinking a lot about how that boy was kind of just like nagging at you at lunch. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, they're at lunch. They're in a group. The only reason boys nag other boys is one, the other kid is a threat. Like, and yeah. they, they feel like, and they, this is almost always it. They feel Insecure, like right. they need mm-hmm. to get an upper hand. And instead of saying, cause I thought, Ooh, there was girls at the table. It's exactly what was in my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to tell him, Hey, like you got to understand when people are like that, they're lifting themselves. They think they're lifting themselves up by putting you down. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's picking on you means you're his biggest threat. And I, I was like, I really want to have this conversation with him. So what I said was like, why do you think 
he was like that. And he goes, girls. I was like, oh, like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, he wants the attention from the girls. And so my line, my thinking wasn't in line with his, but how much more powerful is it for them to be able to self realize? And then I had, now he's given me the permission to talk about it. Right. And I feel like that's a big win. Um, I want to, want to, want to point out something you said, which is a, which is a real trigger point for me. Not the trigger kind of trigger people talk about. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you, you talk about being a friend with your kid, and I shudder. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I should have caught in your feedback. I shudder when a dad of a ten-year-old or an eight-year-old right. or a six-year-old says right. we're best friends. Right. And for me, it's a huge red flag. I try not to say anything, but I, mm-hmm. this is a great opportunity. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, if you'll notice, I qualified that when I said yep. it because of the age. And so there's definitely this um, this age of independence or age of accountability. I don't know what you want to call it. It's it's kind of this age of they're becoming a man. They're less they're less uh, they're more self sufficient and they're less dependent on us. And and uh, as as uh, Ryan Mickler says from the Order of Man podcast, he says you know they're becoming more producers than they are consumers. And so. Once they start to kind of cross that threshold of consuming like 90% and then they sort of start becoming more of a contributor to the either the household, society, their friend groups, whatever, professionally, at that point, I'm not saying they just automatically become a man, but they, they've crossed over into this respect area where I feel like we can share things that we don't normally or didn't normally share. I feel like we can be a little more transparent, a little more blunt. Um, there's less feelings and emotions attached. So I feel like at that point, I don't even know if it's considered friends, but I would talk to them like a friend and, right. and less like a nurturing caregiver, if that makes sense. So does that answer your question at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I try to like put in my mind what the dangers of, and I have some answers, but what the dangers of saying – my son is my best friend and he's my best or I'm his best friend when they're 10. Yeah. There's an unhealthy codependence there that I would say was never the intent uh, in that relationship. Um, And so I don't think there's a codependence when they get older either, but I'm saying your, your kid needs to see you as a, an authority figure. They need to respect what manhood looks like. Uh, they need to have an example to follow, and I think if we get in that friend zone dangerously, uh, it can it can blur the lines and muddy the waters of, hey, we're equals, or hey, I can talk to him kind of like I talk to my buddy at the locker at school, or you know maybe he gave me a or he he gave me instructions, but that was more like a suggestion that wasn't a command Mm. uh so i think that's why it's dangerous and then what does that what does that develop what does that create creates habits that are harder to break in 10 years when he's out in the real world and he can't talk to people a certain way and uh respect is a thing he doesn't understand so i think that's why i think you're creating these these men if we're talking about boys we're creating these men that are in a boy body and we're trying to establish these habits and behaviors that become muscle memory when they get older. And if we create those at 10 where he sees me, a 50-year-old, as a you know, a, a friend and a peer, we got problems down the road. Uh, 100%. And I, there's just so much failure that can happen in that scenario. Like you might have a bad day and yell at him. Well, he's equated you with a friend rather than, you know, and, and and that's just dangerous. It's really down, dangerous ground. The other thing that I see also is the destruction of the father as my son now, he like he's my best friend, but he never wants to spend time with me. And I think what happens is guys start placing their identity in their being a father to their son, which is dangerous. Right. And then then it's all taken out from underneath them. That's right. That's right. And and oh, by the way, there's a spouse in the picture that gets neglected or that gets 
kind of second. And then what does that say to the kid, right? That that says, oh, mom's down here a couple notches, and I'm up here, which is never going to be the case, not ever. And so we're, we're really creating some confusion if we're doing that as a dad. Well, even if you believe that, parent listeners, even if you believe like, oh, I would – I would uh, serve my son over my wife. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, you're 100% wrong and you're destroying your future and you're destroying right. your kid's future. I want you to take, I want you to hear that again. If you value your kids or serve them over your wife, That's or right. if you're female over your husband, That's right. you are destroying the future of your marriage and you're destroying your, you're putting your kids' marriages at major risk. You are passing a legacy that will be the destruction of a great relationship possibility. And because what you do in your marriage likely is going to be the blueprint for what your kids do in their marriage. And, uh, like, so good. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm laying it out. If someone disagrees with me, stop listening. I, or you need to listen more and understand the groundwork that I don't care if you don't get along with your spouse, you made that decision. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and I would say too, I would challenge that person if they're, if that person's out there, which I would, I would be really surprised if anyone out there listening to your show or my show believes this, but let's say they do. My challenge would be, what did their dad look like? Like, what did their parenting dynamic look like that they grew up with? Because I'll bet they're emulating what they saw. Yeah. To your point, and guess what? That's gonna that's downstream. You're getting a snapshot of your kids as parents. So I think that it's a lose lose hundred percent. And I always put it in this position. Okay, I'm not a girl dad, but if I had a girl and you have a girl, mm-hmm. the 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 thing that I tell everybody is. The, your daughter is going to marry an image of you and how you treat your wife is how your daughter will look for a man to treat her. That's so right. if your wife is later in the relationship, when your daughter is a, is a wife, she's going to be second, third wrong. Do you want your daughter to be third wrong? Hell no. That's right. That's right. And, and, and also you're also creating a picture for your daughter of what masculinity looks like. Ooh. Physically, spiritually, in, intellectually, like they're going to, how else would they know what to look for by the, what they see every day? Yeah. So we're, you know, I don't have, I mean, I know there's guys out there that maybe aren't where they want to be physically, or maybe they aren't where they want to be professionally, but I'm not knocking on those guys. But if you have control over your situation enough to where you can take charge of your life in those departments, you're giving her something to, to maybe shoot for. And, and I don't know. I'm not okay with, I don't know, being a flabby Christian, being a flabby man, being a flabby worker, mm-hmm. so that she ends up with a flabby fill-in-the-blank. I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a discussion with uh, Kurt again the other day about, he's like, I'm like, dad bod's not okay. It's just it's just not okay. And if you have one and you you are doing the work, like, hey, like, get your hormones figured out, get your blood panels figured out, give yourself an upper hand. I'm not saying, you know, go do TRT or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm saying understand your body and get things under control. My wife, and I've told this story so many times, she came home from the post office and she's like, thank you. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I was in the post office. There's like eight guys in there. They all either looked effeminate or they were flabby, like no muscle. Like she's like, I can feel your bicep. You have triceps. You have biceps. When I when I feel your chest, it's solid. She's like, "Thank you. That's not a man. That's that's a flaccid human being." And you should not be seen that way, guys. Yeah. And if I'm a criminal, I'm going for those guys. Like if, <laughs> if you know, if my daughter is dating or married to one of those, she's potentially in danger. Yeah. Like if I'm a criminal, I'm going after that guy. That's flabby. That's effeminate. Whatever. And we're going off on a whole tangent. Oh, that's I, my I, bad. I love it. That's we my can bad. do it. No, no, no. We <laughs> but, can do it. All and long. I'm not perfect. I mean, to, yeah. trust me, I'm not the. Uh, I'm not Tim Kennedy by any means. But me neither. I mean, to your point, if there's a guy that is a little bit on the flabby side, but he's putting in the work, dude, good for you. Yes. Keep going. It's yes. not going to happen overnight. Just don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going, and you will get there. That's yeah. that's just sad. So I, I do want to be encouraging in that mode because there are guys that just really struggle and. It literally is the, the, the thing I say about discipline 
and getting those goals is anchor what you want to be and to a commitment to a value. So are you committed to your wife? Well, anchor it in your wife. Are you committed to your kids not being flabby? Then anchor it to that because when you're like, I don't feel like it. Yeah, but my don't feel like isn't as big as my purpose for this. And so if you anchor it to that instead of motivation, you're going to lose the motivation game. So That's 100% right. Uh, I'm going to pick another little topic. Um, I do this little questionnaire when people come into the Facebook group and actually look at them. Uh, there's 4,000 men in this group. I would say a quarter of them. One of them says, do you consider yourself the leader of your household? 25% of them say no. And this is one of my goals is that men will plant their flag in the ground as I am the leader of the household. But I want to know what you think that looks like. Cause you talked about leadership and you know, there's this stigma around the guy being dominant and toxic masculinity. And I'm just saying BS to all that. Sure. There's guys that abuse their, their testosterone or whatever you want to call it. But, right. um, I want to hear what you think of, you know, the man being the leader in the house and what that means and why it's important. Yeah. Uh, so I will say, yes, I am 90% of the, of the categories. Cause I will, I will, I'm going to put a little asterisk beside this answer because my wife's an accountant. Uh, I'm not super driven nor super talented at spreadsheets and managing the money. But we we talk about it. I see it. I'm not in the dark, but she does it for a living. So she manages our, you know, our bills. She pays everything online and it, she just does her thing. So in that area, I can't be honest and say, yes, I lead. But I do lead principles around finances. I do lead stewardship principles. And we're like-minded. We come together. We agree on those. Uh, all the other things, hundred percent. I'm the. If I'm not the spiritual leader of the home, I don't. What does the other stuff matter? First of all, and that's that's me. I don't know. You may have a mixed bag of listeners. Maybe not everybody's a Christian. So for those that aren't, I'm not coming to you. But I am saying, look, in my case, my situation, what I believe. If I'm not the spiritual leader of the home, then nothing else matters. That's first. Secondly. Yes. I, I mean, we we make decisions together, but I can tell you, my kids, they know who's who's going to be there if they need protected. They know who's not afraid to go to the front door at 2 a.m. Like, they're, they just, there's things that we know, and there's other areas, of course. Um, professionally, I've been the, the majority breadwinner, I guess, our whole, our whole lives, since we've had kids anyway. Um, uh, you know, I think I'm going to tell guys now that 25% you mentioned, guys, we're born leaders. Mm-hmm. Like we're born kind of with this, some more than others, but this warrior, savage type, survivor, hunter, gather DNA. Like we're born that way. Um, and we're, our, the Bible talks about women are the weaker vessel. And it talks about, you know, that's emotionally mostly is what that, context is but i mean a lot of times it's physically too uh so who's going to lead if we don't i guess is my question and i I, i'm surprised that number's that high 25 percent seems high yeah Um, no it's you know it surprises me it's really and i wonder are they bucketing like are like kind of like i did are they compartmentalizing saying okay well in this area i don't know that i lead but i do in all these not other nine out of ten I, I doubt it. Some of them are probably really not the leader. And I, and I don't know why that is, but it's important because it's biblical. Like right. it's important because that's the way successful thriving societies look when the guy is out in front. He's, te- he's the tip of the spear in, in 99% of the areas. Um, cultures that fall apart don't have solid men. I mean, <laughs> look no further than what we're about to see and what we're starting to see more of right now in America, yeah. which who would ever thought. So yeah. I, I don't know if that even answered your question, but that's why it's important. 
Well, you brought up like finances and I think there's roles and responsibilities where we fit within our, our natural tendency and our natural ability, ability and leader in that area. And I had this conversation the other day is I would tell guys like, I will serve my wife. I will, I will, I'm, I'm the warrior in a garden. She is my garden. I'm going to serve her. I'm going to be delicate. I'm going to nurture. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've gotten the kickback. Well, happy wife, happy life. Good for you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That is not what I'm saying. And I think we, we really have to pull this back. And you look at some guy like Jocko, like extreme ownership. I guarantee you he is a big, a big believer in servant leadership. Servant sure. leadership is, is a masculine thing to do. What do you think the military is? It's servant leadership. They're service members, are yes. they not? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And I, I want to reconstruct this for men. You, like your wife may have better skills than you. Your wife, my work, my wife can outwork out me. She, she can't lift the weights I can lift, but man, she can, she can bury. She's me. got an engine. She's got an and engine. She's got, got an stop. engine. Yeah. And like, I'm like, okay, but that doesn't affect my masculinity. That doesn't affect my leadership. We just have different skills. And you're right. Some noise outside at 2 a.m. She's never going to say, Scott, stay in bed. I'll grab the shotgun and go check it out. Have I taught her to do that? Yes. But if she's never going to do that, she's going to say, or, you know, I'm never going to give her the opportunity. I'm going to be up and out. But it's, we've got to get back to that because we are in a, in a society right now with flaccid men. They think that having, being able to defend your family is dangerous. That's a dangerous thing. Having a gun in your house. What if you accidentally shoot somebody? Like I'm not gun advocate here, but you need to be prepared for the things that can come up up against your family. And uh, if you're not that, I rec that day that's going to reckon with you guys. I've had a home intruder come into my home. Mm. I've had a home intruder see my kid in a different room than me before I saw him. I will never be in that situation again. I will never be in a situation where he can look at me, stare me in the face and walk by me and leave the house. That's literally what happened. And right when I got there, there were three of them meth heads. They were working on getting my gun safe open. So like, guys, don't be a victim and you have to do the things you need to be the leader. You need to be the strength. You need to be the security of your home. And if you don't feel that way, just wait till this situation hits you and then you're, you're going to, you're going to be served with a reckoning of reality. Yeah. It's not all equity. Equity is not equality. Um, so we, we have different roles and they're weighted differently, uh, in the household. And so I, I don't want to continue to beat the dead horse, but I think, again, I go back to, I live by a biblical standard. I try to raise my family that way. I think we see what we get when we divert from the biblical standard path uh, in our culture. Um, so that that to me says, I'm the protector, I'm the provider, right? I'm I'm the I'm the guy um, that we you know we live and die by whether or not I take that step out in front and say, follow me, I got this type mm-hmm. of deal. So not that I'm perfect in every area, not that I. And, you know, super Goliath guy that can conquer every single situation, but I'm going to, you know, I'd rather die a courageous death than, than live as a coward or, or as a passive flabby dude. Yeah. Here's, here's a, a, a social experiment is this, the movie Yellowstone. You've got a bunch of gruff, not the movie, te- the television show. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got a bunch of gruff guys. Well, there's women all over the internet swooning over rip and, you look at this guy, what does he have? He's stoic, he's strong, he protects. He will do whatever it takes to protect his wife. He will do whatever it takes. Women are swooning over him. And I think some guys are like, oh, it's his looks or whatever. No, 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 no. Think back in middle school or high school. Why did the girl always go after the bad boy? Not because he was a bad boy, because he was strong, because he was act projecting as I am a force to be reckoned with. And I think we have to look at the basic psychology of 
what women and see as a protectant. And I know I've done things in the past, like where I've stepped up and I'm like, everybody get back in the car or everybody go in the house. And my wife later is like, oh, that was so sexy, right? Like it's out there. The proof is in the pudding, guys. If you want to be desired by your wife, one way is to step up as a protector and as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And those guys you just mentioned, like Rip and those tough guys, I guess I'll call them, um, they live by their convictions and their resolve and their confident people. Right. Because of their convictions that are unwavering, because of the resolve that they feel that no one's going to shake them off of that that hill worth dying on. Like those guys are who you gravitate toward. Think about it. And as you're growing up, the girl liked that. So, you know, quote unquote, bad guy, but he was just going ahead and damn the consequences. He was going based on what he believed and people can follow or he can be by himself. He doesn't care. And and so I think that's, what's attractive is guys that stand up for what's right, regardless of what's, who's behind them or regardless of who's giving them a standing ovation, but it's because it's right. And it's because their can, their convictions and their resolve navigate or steer the way they go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did veer from uh, parenting, but I, I think, I think what we're talking about is all very pivotal in being a productive and amazing parent. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I guess one thing that I've learned as a dad, more than anything, and then there's several things, but I think is you mentioned it earlier is not being afraid to be vulnerable in a sense of this is who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. And yeah, I'm not proud of some of the things I've done, but I'm, this is who I am like naked, like emotionally naked, whatever. And just be like, Hey, but here's how I came out on the other side of it. So anytime you get into a situation, and this is me talking to my kids, anytime you get into a situation like you've screwed up majorly, there's no place for guilt. There's no place for shame. There's only a place for growth and failing forward. And so I think that's what I've learned is just be who you are and stand up for what's right. And look, let your let the Bible and let 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 your biblical foundation drive what you stand for, what you do in life what path you take like i think that's where i try to get as a parent now you know they come to a point where they don't have to take my advice they come to a point where they they either own that or they don't or they choose to accept it or they don't but that's all i can do is plant those seeds and live the example that's really all i can do yeah yeah it's awesome it's awesome i want to i want to wrap this up i want to ask you what you believe is the most, and maybe we've covered it, but what is the most important man thing a man can do right now? Let's say he has a eight year old boy and a 10 year old girl and he feels like he's failed as a father. What would, what did you got one piece of advice and I'm putting you on the spot here. (laughs) You have one piece of advice. What would you say? Hey man, here's where you need to start. First I'd say join the club, like welcome (laughs) to the family. Welcome to the family of all the dads that have, thought that or said that okay Welcome i love that club. you said that i love it it's so <laughs> true that's not advice but it's just like okay let's talk you off the ledge because welcome to the party okay second is man, it's never too late first of all nothing's ever too late bro as long as you're breathing like nothing's ever too late i don't care if you have to ask forgiveness or apologize to your kids because that's a big thing dads don't do that you know, dads think, wow, I'm weak if I do that. Uh, my advice would be don't be afraid to, like, call yourself out and apologize if you overstep from an anger or from a yelling standpoint or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I think where you start is just um, spend time, like quality time. I think you got to get to a place where you connect with these little people that you created because, 20 years from now, if you don't have anything to stand on because back when they were eight, you didn't, you neglected that responsibility, then you're going to see what that looks like 20 years from now. And you're not going to like that picture. Mm. So I would say like really intentionally invest in just time with them. And there's a book, you know, there's a love language book you can learn. They make one for kids. Like you can learn what your kid's love language is. Maybe it's not time. Maybe it's gifts. Like my daughter, she loves like, her to crumble cookie right now 
and we sat down and split a cookie. Like that would speak so much more to her than me going out back and playing cornhole or whatever, you know, walking down the street together. So you got to know what makes your kid tick and you got to relate to that. And that's our job as people. We've got to be able to pivot, man. Not every kid's the same. Your daughter and your son, two totally different personalities. I've got four. So I got four hats I got to wear when it comes to personalities. But I would say be able to pivot and, and know that not everybody responds the same way uh, to the same thing. Um, there's a there's a ton of other things, but that's what I would say is like, welcome to the family of people who feel like they screwed up as parents. Uh, it's never too late. And then just go spend time and find out what they respond to and what they what their buttons are, what they love, and how they connect, how they relate. Figure that out and speak their language. That's such good advice. I absolutely want to just like, boom, that's it. We're done. I yeah. stick a stick a pin in it. Um, last in line podcast. And last then in line else? leadership. Yep. Yeah, last, yeah, in, last line in line leader. I think if you just go into Apple Podcasts or wherever and type last in line, I think it pulls up. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel and I podcast, of course. And then um, I've got a, it's not technically a website. It's a site where I offer resources, books and things that I've written, workbooks, devotionals, uh, journals, different things for guys, really, because I try to make it simple for, for dudes to connect with their spirituality and grow in that area. A um, couple of swag items in there. But uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Uh, on Instagram is where I spend most of my time is at last underscore n underscore line underscore leadership. Um, and I, I, that's where I am most active on social media, but, um, yeah, I might have to check out some of that swag. John, thank you very much, brother. It's been an absolute honor and awesome conversation. Thank you for listening to the brotherhood of fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.